And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is John Whitehead. He is the president of the Rutherford Institute, as well as author of the book, A Government of Wolves, The Emerging American Police State. And uh, John, it's really a pleasure to have you with us today. Hey, thank you, sir. I was looking at your website some time ago. I think I'm on a mailing list, and uh, one of the articles you wrote really caught my attention. I was wondering if you could help us uh, understand it. It's entitled, The Second Amendment, A Symbol of Freedom or an Invitation to Violence. I was wondering if you could share with our listeners some of the thinking behind your article and help us understand a little bit today uh, about the Second Amendment. Yeah, uh, and again, people should go to rutherford.org, O-R-G, and I, I write weekly on these uh, issues, and I footnote heavily, so if you need extra sources, people can do that. And uh, But I write on these uh, key issues. One thing, is, I'm a civil libertarian lawyer, a constitutional lawyer. I've been, been, been working in this area for 40 years, and increasingly I see all these uh, kind of weird cases and statements coming out of government about the fact that People just shouldn't have a right to own a gun, that the, the founders didn't believe that. So uh, I've written on it in the past, so I thought it was time to lay all that to rest and how silly it is, because the founding fathers in their Bill of Rights gave us the Second Amendment, which guarantees us the right to own a weapon. They meant it. In fact, Thomas Jefferson was at once asked, what's the best way to take a walk? He replied in a letter, with your rifle. <laughs> so <laughs> they understood you know, and they, they actually, you know, to eat, they had to have weapons to shoot the deer or whatever they were eating. So the silly thing that a lot of uh, people, uh, especially on the left push, is the idea that the founding fathers didn't really believe you could have a gun in your home and <laughs> that kind of yes. stuff. It just, historically, it makes no sense. And there are a lot of good people out there, both on the left and right with integrity, that say the same thing. But we get involved in a lot of weird cases, especially in uh, schools now, where they're telling kids that if they even make an imaginary weapon, they're, they're guilty of a weapons violation. We had a case in Pennsylvania where a young boy went up to the teacher's desk to get some papers. On the way back to his desk, his best friend, he's a fourth grader, 10 years old, uh, his, his um, best friend did an imaginary pistol and went pow silently with his lips. Our, the kid that we defended, a kid named Johnny Jones, you can look this up on our website, he did an imaginary bow and arrow, made no noise, and shot an imaginary arrow back at his friend. He was pulled from the class, told that he had committed a weapons violation under zero tolerance policy, and he was being immediately suspended from school. Uh, it took us about a month and a half. We threatened to file a lawsuit. We were getting ready to do it, and the school backed off and decided they would drop the weapons violation, and they apologized to his mom. But we're seeing those cases all over the country where they're intimidating kids who just do imaginary weapons. We had four boys in the playground going pow-pow with their fingers, kindergartners. They were pulled in to the principal's office, Sided with weapons violation, they actually called the police in on that one mm. and scared the kids. One kid, the kid that we helped, actually had to go undergo psychological counseling after that. He was so frightened. Oh dear! So we're seeing all the threats, the anti-gun stuff, and most people that I know that have weapons are not crazy. The great majority of the people that I know, weapons owners, just a lot of them are vets. By the way, and we can talk about that issue in a minute. But a lot of vets are being targeted by the government now. One hundred seventy-five thousand veterans are told they can't have guns now because. They served overseas, and that's another big issue. We, we defended a lot of veterans, but uh, the Founding Fathers gave us the Second Amendment, obviously for a number of reasons, and the basic reason they gave us the Second Amendment wasn't to hunt for food. It was to defend ourselves against tyranny, and that's basically what the Second Amendment stands for. 
Well, that's helpful, and I'm glad you already answered one question that I had that um, the listeners will have, and that is, what was the purpose of, of the Second Amendment? And it, and it is to um, defend liberty. It's defend liberty because they, they have just come out of uh, fighting a tyranny, the British. You know, the British uh, were shooting, lining up, shooting the colonists. They burned the churches, by the way, first mm. in most towns, because that's where the revolutionists met. And it was often led by the clergy. The clergy were very radical in those days. And... Uh, they weren't kind folks, so uh, they, the, the people who wrote our Constitution understood tyranny, and they knew that if you didn't have a way of defending yourself. And uh, before I wrote my book, A Government of Wolves, which is out now, and people can get it on Amazon.com, um, it comes from a quote by Edward R. Murrow, the great CBS broadcaster, who said, a, a nation of sheep begets a government of wolves. Well, we're awful sheep-like today, so we do have a government of wolves now. But I studied uh, Nazi Germany and was just basically shocked how basically what's happening today in America is lining up with Nazi Germany. In 19, you know, they started taking the guns away from different classes of people. In 1938, they finally took the guns away from the Jews. And there's a reason <laughs> they did that. Yes. I often said if that train's on its way to Auschwitz and you're not, you, you, don't have, you don't have weapons or any way to defend yourself, how do you stop the train? Yes. And that's basically where we're at today. And in my book, A Government of Wolves, I show that we've, we've moved into sort of a Nazi paradigm in this country where our government is sounding a lot like and doing things that uh, the founding fathers rolling over in their graves right now and all this stuff that we're seeing happening in this country from SWAT team raids to the President of the United States signing into law a bill allowing called the NDAA allowing the government to come take you away if he thinks you're an extremist mm. and put you in a military prison with no right to a lawyer or anything. That's an actual law. The Supreme Court refused to hear the case here recently of some journalists who filed that case saying they, they felt threatened. Well, they should, because if President Obama or if the next president, whoever they could be, it could be Hillary Clinton or whoever, doesn't like you. I mean, in 2009, under President Obama, the Department of Homeland Security issued two memos, right-wing extremism and uh, left-wing extremism memos, where they named who they thought the terrorists were, and it was basically by the resisted government. And they listed military veterans and others, people who were against abortion, by the way, as extremists. And some of the sentences, in the, and if you go to our website, that's at Rutherford.org, and read those memos, they use the words terrorists and extremists interchangeably in some sentences. So today, uh, in the eyes of uh, some people, certain people, uh, especially in the federal government, resisting the government in any way, even peacefully, you're considered an extremist. That's why they don't want you having weapons. So. That really resonates with me personally. Um, we live in New York State, as you know, and uh-huh. uh, uh, we have something called the SAFE Act, and we have a governor that's um, really not too friendly to personal freedoms at this point. One of his speeches, he was talking about describing basically me <laughs> and people like me, and they said, basically, we're not welcome here. And I got thinking, wait a minute, the Elmendorfs have been in New York State since 1667. What, what do you mean, Mr. Governor? We're no, we're no longer welcome here in our own state, and it, it is scary. Um, talk to us a little bit about your book. Um, this is very interesting to me. It's called A Government of Wolves, The Emerging American Police State. Uh, what, what's that all about? Well, uh, like I said, I've been a, a constitutional lawyer for 40 years, and I've become alarmed. That's why I wrote the book. Um, and all the trends I'm seeing, uh, the SWAT team raids are pretty scary. There's about 80,000 that occur each year in America. And if, that, that <laughs> if you haven't seen a SWAT team raid, go online and, and look and watch one because they're the mild type. But the scary types, I, I mentioned in my book, people are getting shot, innocent people. 
Uh, these guys are in military gear, given to them by the federal government, by the way. Local police get all this military gear free now. So we have what George Washington essentially called a standing army. And I've written on this. Again, people can should read the book. It's in there. But uh, they're going through people's doors for what used to be mere warrant service in like 40% of the cases where a policeman, one policeman will arrive at your door and knock on the door and say, are you John Smith? And that's what the warrant thing is so very, very important for, because you might be at the wrong address. What we're finding is in some of these really aggressive SWAT team raids there at the wrong place, there's uh, some classic cases, but there are numerous. One was a Marine named Jose Guerrero about a year and a half ago, uh, a decorated Marine uh, in Arizona. He was at his home at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's usually when SWAT team raids occur. He thought burglars were coming into his home. He grabbed his wife and children, put them in the closet. He only had one gun in his whole house. He had a hunting rifle. He stood at the end of the hallway because he thought the aggressors were coming to get it, hurt his kids and his wife. His hunting rifle. The SWAT team came, saw him at the end of the hallway. They fired 70 times, shot him. He got hit 51 times. He wow. fell face down, was still alive. They wouldn't let the medics take care of him. He bled to death on the floor of his own home. Come to find out, an investigation showed he never even had the safety off his gun. He never fired once. Oh, my. This is the key, though. They were at the wrong house, the police. Oh, dear. But we see those cases all the time. There's a case of Iana Jones in uh, Detroit. They did a similar SWAT team raid on her apartment building. She was 10 years old. She, was a, she had watched a Prince's movie right before going to sleep. She, was, she had laid down in the uh, living room and fell asleep on the couch with her Prince's blanket. They came through the door. One of the policemen's guns went off, he said mistakenly. It shot her on the couch. Her blood splattered on the carpet. Her father runs out of the bedroom, screaming, crying. He sees his daughter bleeding. They push him face down into his daughter's blood. The SWAT team. This is the key here. They were in the wrong apartment. Oh my the goodness. guy they wanted was up about four or five stories. Wow. So they're bypassing the warrant procedure in these SWAT team raids. And that's why you're seeing they should always shoot dogs, whether they're poodles, German shepherds. They shoot the uh, it, dogs. It's a crazy scenario, but this is happening in America. You don't get it on mainstream news. I see it a lot because I work in the area, but mm-hmm. it's a frightening, frightening thing happening. They shoot uh, the they're dogs. They're very aggressive. They're arriving at, with all this equipment, Kelvar helmets, assault rifles. They're military gear that they're being given by the Department of Homeland Security now. They have assault vehicles. They have things now. Many small police departments have what they call MRAPs. They're called mine-resistance, armor-protected vehicles. They use them over war zones, they can go over a minefield. We have a small town here in Virginia that even has one, and uh, about 20,000 people in the town, and people are wondering, why do they need that in a rural community where there's virtually no crime? Yes. So there's raising a lot of questions of the Department of Homeland Security just uh, a year and a half ago purchased 1.6 billion hollow-point bullets for use by their agents. The Department of Agriculture, about three weeks ago, ordered, ordered some machine guns. Submachine guns for their employees. This is Department of Agriculture and this full is body. Scary. Yes, I, I'm so now, glad. One guy to, wrote on it. And he said, "Are they going to shoot farmers now?" I'm so glad so to the hear you bringing this up. Arming like crazy, but they don't want uh, the average citizen to have a, a rifle. Mm, my goodness, that's um, the lay of the land, folks. It ain't pretty. You can see this even in our own town. We live way up here, rural, you know, upstate New York, uh, beautiful landscape and everything, but. Without going into too much detail, I can travel what um, three miles, and I can see one of these um, one of these vehicles that you described. I think it's the same thing. Uh, one of these emergency services unit, and it's set up basically. It's set up to kill. Yeah. 
What I've shown in my book is psychological studies have been conducted. They show once police, your average policeman, puts on that gear, their mentality changes. Yes, it does. They become, they view us differently. Uh, I work with a lot of good policemen that don't like it. They tell me something's happened, something's wrong, we don't like this. And then the other thing we're seeing is the local police are heavily armed, but they're working with like the FBI, Department of Homeland Security. They all have SWAT teams now. The IRS even has a SWAT team. Department of Education, by the way, is doing SWAT team raids for overdue loans. That's detailed in my book. Really? But uh, we had a case with a young Marine, 26-year-old, Brandon Robb, served in Afghanistan, Iraq, came back. He was disillusioned with some of the things he saw over there, and he wrote about them on on Facebook. He criticized Obama heavily. He was... uh, one day he heard noises. He was he worked he was working at home. The FBI, Department of Homeland Security, and local police dressed in SWAT team gear rushed his house. They arrested him. They didn't have a search warrant because they didn't have any evidence he'd done anything wrong. They threw him in a mental hospital. We sued and got him out. But uh, we found out later there are 1.5 million of those things that happen each year across America. 1.5 million civil commitments they call them, where people just disappear from their homes. Oh my. And he was lucky. This he, he called us just in time because he was in the middle of the hospital. But the weird thing, I called the sheriff, the, the county sheriff, the, who, who had actually, they, they handcuffed him behind his back. I said, what's the crime he's committed? And the, the sheriff said, oh, he's committed no crime. We're just concerned about his Facebook post. Oh, but dear. that shows you the mentality of the government you're working with. There's a reason you see all the anti-Second Amendment phobia coming out, of, especially the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it is disheartening. Um, I don't want to totally get discouraged, but uh, let's not leave this subject well, it should yet. discourage you. It's, <laughs> it's what James Madison said, who's the father of our Constitution. He says, take alarm at the first experiment with liberties. And I go back to the, what, what my book's called A Government of Wolves. Edward R. Merle, who fought a lot of evil in his day, he said, a nation of sheep begets a government of wolves. We've yes. let it happen. And now it's time to take action, folks. And there are a lot of things you can do, but you're going to have to, you know, it's time to do what the people in 1776 did. They, they got fed up, and they said, we're not taking it anymore. That's right. But it's going to come home to you. I hear, a lot of people say to me, well, you've heard about all this NSA snooping, and the, they read all of our emails. The NSA admits to downloading 220 million text messages a day. They know everything we do. Uh, and some people say, well, if I'm not doing anything wrong, well, why should I worry? Well, again, I studied Nazi Germany. Uh, 80% of the people in concentration camps were innocent. Mm. So they didn't do anything wrong. It is sobering. It's sobering. We need to wake up. It's like, the reason I do these interviews, I could be out (laughs) having fun somewhere, is I want to make sure people understand that uh, I want to throw some cold water in in the average American's face. You're not getting it on the news. You're not getting it on Wolf Blitzer you're not getting a lot of it on Fox or MSNBC, whatever shows you watch. You're not getting this thing about the SWAT teams, but they're awful. I mean, yes. I, I, I even talked to SWAT team commanders who have quit because they don't like what they, what they were doing. You know, John, you may find this interesting. Here locally, you know, in our area, we have um, DEP police, you know, because we're near a water supply. So, you know, you got the regular police, the emergency services unit, the SWAT unit that you referred to. On top of that, you got New York State Forest Rangers. Uh, we have New York State Police, Town of and Olive. And they all have SWAT teams, too, you know. Yeah, Town yeah. of Olive Police, uh, Department of Homeland Security. Um, just 40 miles down the road, we had the Secret Service Police last week because uh, Mr. Obama spoke at West Point. And um, one of 
one of the people in the sheriff's department told me, he said, by the way, they can jail you for protesting the Obama administration if you protest in front of the Secret Service agents. Yep. So it's, um, it is scary the when you... The Supreme Court has upheld that. They can take you away. If you, even, if you even point a finger if Obama's walking in a building and say, I disagree with you, sir. Yes. That they can take you away. Yeah. Wow. That's the lay of the land in America. They don't want protesters. No, no. Now, that's an important thread right there. Can you talk to us more about um, they don't want to hear the other side, how that the approach is not to have good debate, but it's basically to shut down the other side. Oh, yeah. They're, they're moving people two blocks away when a president motor car comes now. They're two and three blocks away. We have people who get moved. Mm. You can't even, you can't get a message to, and I call, you know, the President of the United States acts like an emperor. Now, you can't get close to the, you can't get close to anybody, the Secret Service guards, whether it's an, uh, a guy who has been retired from the Senate for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, there's no approach you have anymore. So that's why people say, what can I do? You're not going to be able to affect uh, much at the national level because they won't even answer your emails or whatever. They don't have time for you because they're too busy raising money from lobbyists. But you can make... A tremendous headway at the local level mm-hmm. if you'll do it. I mean, I've seen uh, 20 people at a uh, at a city council meeting raise so much havoc that they get their way. I mm-hmm. mean, nobody goes down and says, "Let's pass a resolution saying that we will not follow the NDAA, which is that law I told you about, allowing the military to arrive at your door and take you away mm-hmm. uh, without a trial." Yes. I mean, there are cities who are, who are moving in that direction. That's a good sign. But it takes 20 people, 30 people getting together locally, and starting their own, like, committees of correspondence. If, if people don't know what that is, go look it up online. The Founding Fathers put these groups of people together, and they corresponded, they talked, and they took action. And if you really believe in America, the flag and all the stuff and patriotism, well, that's patriotism. Yes, it is. It isn't just uh, saying heil to the government. Yes. And moving forward. No, it's, it's the government that we have today. That's why we have a First Amendment. It says we have a right to protest, assemble and protest. They don't want that. Mm. I see it in the cases that we we have a lot of cases. And you can see them online. People who are defending who just silently protest. They get arrested now. You know, you also touched upon something that's piqued my interest, and that is classes of people. Um, Besides uh, Nazi Germany taking away the weapons from the Jews, also, obviously, at the very base was this this, this, basically this racism that is heightened and separation of classes of people. Can you talk to that a little bit? Well, it's basically elitism, uh, and the thing that uh, I see happening today is... There is an elitist class that runs America. Obama couldn't run the federal government. It's a monster. It's a worldwide empire. So one guy can't run it. So obviously he has a lot of aides and whoever. But uh, Mussolini, uh, who, of course, started fascist Italy, he, he was an advocate uh, person who argued for corporatism. In other words, large corporations working with the government. Hitler was the same way. In fact, there was a press conference in Germany uh, where uh, one of the industrials walked out after they were meeting with Hitler, and the journalist said, what happened? They said, we just hired Hitler, mm. one of the big magnates over there. You see the same thing today. I work in and out of Washington. I have friends who work in the political establishment, and they tell me that the money corruption there is so bad right now that every, everybody, uh, everybody's up for easy buy, basically. Uh, I had a friend who went to work in the Senate for a big senator, and he called me and said, this is really strange. He says... Our, our congressmen disappear on Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. He says it's their call time. 
Wow. And I said, what's call time? He says, they're, they're calling their corporate donors and getting more money and getting ready to run again. Wow. And I go, should we be paying for that as taxpayers, their salary, to do that kind of stuff? Because right. we, don't, we don't have that kind of access. So there is an elitist class that runs America. Mm. That's, and they want control. And the face of it, I keep telling people, I may sound radical here, is the militarized agencies we see now from the federal and local level. They're not going to be friendly if you disagree with them at all. No. And so, we see the cases that we have from the cases that I've detailed, the Brandon Robb case, the Marine. He just disagreed with Obama. And they tried to put him away in the mill institution. Wow. He's a Christian, by the way. Uh-huh. We have about five minutes left to our discussion, John. Um, just more encouragement to the listener, to me, uh, what we can do at a small level, just, you know, bite-sized chunks maybe that we can handle. Well, the key thing is education precedes action. You need to be educated. You need If, if I'm sharing all, if this is all new material, then... You need to get educated. My book's a good place to start, Government of Wolves. Our website, I write on this stuff weekly. We even have a Constitution section on our website. You can go there, read the amendments, uh, those kind of things, get educated. Then you can take action. Find out what your, what your local city is doing. Most people don't ever go to a council meeting. I say go to the council meetings on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. See what they're passing, what kind of laws. I mean, we're defending people who are getting fined or arrested for collecting rainwater. That's against the law in some areas. Solar really? panels, growing a vegetable garden. We, we helped a veteran who grew a tomato garden in his backyard. His local city had passed a law against it. He couldn't have imagine? a vegetable garden. We wow. have people who have one chicken in their backyard, and the huh. police arrive and confiscate the chicken. You can't have a chicken to grow your own eggs. That's, That's happening all across the United States. Uh, one woman in Florida, 81 years old, listen to this. She fed birds in her front yard. It's illegal to do that. She threw crumbs out. She got arrested. There's a picture of her walking in the courtroom. She could barely walk with handcuffs on. Can you imagine? It's called the overcriminalization of America. I have a, a part of my books on that phenomenon, but it's scary. No. Mm. So, uh, you can change those things, but all it takes, and I saw this, is 15 to 20 people at a city council meeting that are vocal, reasoned, they know the issues, yep. you can change it. The chances of you changing what Obama's doing is very, very narrow, very, very narrow. But you can make tremendous change at the local level. The Constitution starts with those three beautiful words, we the people. <laughs> we are the government. It isn't that guy in the SWAT team. It, Obama's not the government. We are the government. I'll go back to what Edward Armola said. A nation of sheep begets a government of wolves. We, While we're watching, it's occurred. It's time to stop watching and start acting. We are... Uh, I'll be honest with you, I think we have about 10 years. Mm. All it's going to take is one catastrophe. This is the thing. Read about this. It's in my book. The drones are coming next year. They're going to start flying over America. Drones with all kinds of weapons, scanning devices that can see through the walls of your home. That's coming. That's disgusting to me. It's going to be very, very scary, folks. They have have mosquito drones. They have hummingbird drones. They're developing an android man that can walk and... I've been told by drone professors that's your policeman of the future. Mm. It's three hundred. It's called Atlas Four. You can watch it walk. Go watch it on YouTube. I tell people Atlas Four. There are a lot of scary things happening, but again, you can make change at the local level. But you have to get up off your butt and do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're just about out of time today. We've been talking with constitutional lawyer John Whitehead. He runs the Rutherford Institute. And wonderful information, John, today that you've shared. I want to encourage people to buy your book. It's called A Government of Wolves, 
the emerging American police state. And, John, share your website one more time, please. Yeah, Rutherford.org. It's R-U-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D dot org, O-R-G. And um, there's a lot of information on it. It's, it's a website intended to get people educated so they'll act. Uh, well, praise the Lord for your efforts. I wish there were a thousand more just like you, John. Hey, thank you, sir. <laughs> and thanks for joining our listeners today. This is a plain answer. Uh, this entire episode is up on our website. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And please join us again next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. I light a candle Stare at the flame I see the only way this world can change one tiny light in each of us a seed of hope a mighty love God save the world God save the child humble the strong Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me God save our homes God save the earth Let each and every one of us That I might see God save the world Starting with me